Are you guys ready for a social experiment? Welcome to episode nine of the Mixtape Podcast, a podcast dedicated to deconstructing the films that we love from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host, as usual. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, joined as always by my fellow screenplay writer, Dean Stark. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be talking about the 2013 film, After the Dark. As we do every week here on the show, Dean is going to take us through a scene-by-scene breakdown of the movies. Dean, you want to get us started? This is a really fun movie because I feel like whoever's listening to this podcast can really can play along because there's questions, there's philosophical questions that are asked that you can ask yourself, that you can ask your friends. There's philosophical games that are in this that you can kind of, you know, play with your friends um, or family. I just think this is going to be a really fun one. So After the Dark 2013, written and directed by John Huddles. Now, when I looked this guy up, he actually hasn't written or directed anything since then, since 2013, which is a shame because, like I said, he not only directed it, he wrote it. And it's so – look, is it perfect? No. Is it beautifully directed? Yes. Is the writing great? Yes. But is it perfect? No. So, After the Dark. At an international school in Jakarta, a philosophy teacher challenges his class of graduating students to choose which 10 of them would take shelter underground and reboot the human race in the event of a nuclear apocalypse. This is an independent movie. This movie got no press. I stumbled upon the, I, I stumbled upon this movie like randomly. I was like, oh, what's this? I watched it. I loved it. I bought it. It, you know, a lot of these movies, because they're independent, because they're not made by studios, don't get press. But this is one of those movies that I would highly, highly recommend anybody and everybody to watch if you want your brain stimulated. So opening scene. The opening scene I don't love because it's just this extreme close up of two of the characters kind they're kind of main characters but this movie has an ensemble cast so i wouldn't say anybody is kind of a main character and a background character but the, there's two characters um a male james and a female petra they're kissing and it lasts for too long in my opinion it lasts for maybe like 5 minutes and it's like okay we get it like i understand what the director was doing he was trying to set up they love each other and he was also setting up the fact that he this guy is like more in love with her than she is in love with him and you can really see that he's like you know kissing her everywhere and she's like sitting there like yeah I like it but like do I really like it and yeah so I kind of I, I understand he was trying to set up those two characters and how he's more obsessed with her than she's with him but as an opening scene for a movie for me, it didn't set the tone of the movie, which opening scenes should. You should know what you're in for. If you were watching this movie and you didn't know what it was about and you saw that opening scene, I don't think it wouldn't set up anything for you at all. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Do you disagree with the opening scene? The opening scene really set up the two main characters of this film. And to me, these two characters are... Uh, are the two main characters of the film, despite this being a ensemble piece, like you said. Also, this really introduces um, sort of the underlying twist of this movie at the very end that we're going to get to. But if I'm being honest, uh, the way that uh, the the female, the the male lead of this film acts 
towards the female le- towards the female lead of this film really reminded me of uh, a friendship that I had with someone uh, very very early on. I was basically falling over myself in love with this person, and after a couple sort of rejigs of our friendship, I sort of calmed down and I sort of became better. But I I really had um, I really had. I really had fun seeing him fall all over himself. With that being said, I don't think it really worked for a first scene of this movie because like you said, the first scene of this movie should really, you know, uh, uh, first of all, introduce you to the world, introduce you to the main characters and tell you a little bit of, uh, tell you a little bit about where the film is going. And this doesn't really do that. As a matter of fact, the film doesn't really kick off until he gets to the classroom. That's when the film really kicks off. Yes, absolutely agree. So the two characters are kissing. She leaves. He falls asleep. He wakes up. He's like, oh, shit, I'm late. He gets he gets stressed. He's running through the streets of Jakarta. He comes across this a beautiful building, which you learn is a school. He goes to run into the class. As he goes to step into the class, he pushes his book in between the door and the um, uh, what is it called? Uh, like the no, what it's called? The, the um, the rim no, of the, the door. door. The door. What is it called? The door frame. That's it. That's it. The door frame. As the teacher closes the door, and on the spine of his book it says philosophy. So you've got okay. He's he's in the philosophy class, and the teacher kind of goes, you know, better to be three hours too early than one minute too late. And kind of sets up his character as being kind of a jerk because it's like just let, you know, and he kind of didn't want to let him in. And I'm like, what? So I do like that that little piece of dialogue that kind of sets him up. Um, he eventually lets him in the class. The, the, the boy, he walks into the class. Now these, these, these characters in the class, they're maybe like – 19 18 19 20 maybe it's not teen, not it's not like 15 16 year olds like a little bit older um and he goes into the class and ev- the class is full and the girl that he was with is sitting in the class and it's like okay so she's in the class with him and then the teacher starts giving a lecture but i just want to point out one thing that in my opinion this this movie is fantastic the plot the premise um, the writing is great for the most part, but there's absolutely no character development at all in any of the characters. Um, did Do you feel that way? Because I didn't see a character arc in – like I don't know these characters. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. I don't know these characters, especially the main girl, Petra. Like she struck me as she's very, oh, very airy, very fairy, very, oh, you know what I mean? But I don't know anything about her and I don't, do you, do you feel that way or did you not get that? I think the strength of this movie lies in the situation. And I think in this instance, the characters serve the situation. So with that being said, not knowing things about the, the characters in this film, kind of helped because you do sort of learn things about them and the way that they approach situations. Once we get into the thought experiments of, uh, you know, uh, once we get into the thought experiments that the teacher presents in this film, but with that being said, it would have been nice if we could have learned something small about all these students before the thought experiments began. Yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, 
I wish we could have learned a little bit more about Petra, the main girl, um, but we just didn't know anything. I didn't like her. She her lines of dialogue were very weak. Um, she was just she was just very airy fairy, and I just yeah, it was it, it, it's like they just cast her because she was just pretty. And I'm not saying she's a bad actress. I'm just saying that the, the the material that was given to her was not was not fantastic. Anyway, um, the teacher starts giving a lecture. So we're in a philosophy class, and the first question he asks, which is what I would pose, the first question I would pose to the viewers, is there is there's five people that are tied to a train track, and there's a train coming, and there's one person tied to an adjacent train track, and if you pull a lever you switch the train from killing the five people to killing the one person. So the question is, would you sacrifice one person to kill five or would you kill five person people to sacrifice one person? And they kind of debate it in class and they're like, well, killing is killing. And the teacher is trying to put point the point across. Yeah, but you're taking five lives, you know, to save one or you're killing one person to save five lives. Like if you had to make a choice. So I would pose that question to you. What would you choose? One person to save five lives. Which I think is what most people would, would choose. I mean, I would choose that as well. I mean, it's not a great or, decision to to make. Or, or mm. you could just push the fat guy onto the tracks and derail the train. But if you push <laughs> but, but, but if you push the fat guy onto the tracks to derail the train, once you push the fat guy onto the tracks, does the fat guy die? Because basically the train rolled over him. So that's something to consider as well. Yeah, well, listen, fat or not, if a train, if you're fat enough to derail a train, I'm pretty sure you would die. I don't care how fat you are. But um, yeah, so so the fat guy was also a scenario that some some other student brought up. So what if there's a fat guy and we just pushed him onto the tracks? So I posed this other question to you. There are five people on the tracks, five strangers. You don't know them. And on an adjacent track, there is someone you love, your mom your dad, your sister, your brother, your significant other, would you make the same decision? Would you sacrifice someone you loved for five perfect strangers? Ooh, think about it. If I knew that my sacrifice was going to save the entire world, if I didn't know that my sacrifice wasn't going to save the entire world, I would I would say fuck it. I would I would pick up the person I love off the tracks and just let what and just let what is going to happen happen. Um but, but yeah, but, yeah. Well we're not saving the entire world. It's just five pe- random people you don't know. Right. If you were on the tracks, uh <laughs> I would I would actually I, I would I, I would actually pull you out. I wouldn't let you die. Right. So yeah, so it's just it, – it's an interesting question because it's like if, you, if you've if you got five strangers and one stranger, obviously if you had to make a choice, you would, you know, sacrifice the one person to save the five. But if it's someone you loved, you probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, so it's a little bit different when it's someone you love on the tracks versus someone – you don't know because in one scenario you're selfless in the next scenario you're selfish so it it just depends on on who it is i would save the person i love sacrifice five strangers i think i think anybody anybody would do that so that's the first question you can kind of pose to your friends family um whoever you want to so the second question is very very interesting that one of the students poses 
She comes up with a scenario. She says, you're hanging from a building. You yell out or you call for three of your friends to come help you, but they don't because they are afraid that if they help you, they're going to get yanked over the side and they're going to die along with you. So they back off. You fall, but you have a parachute that your friends didn't see. So you have a parachute and you live. Now the question is, you ask yourself, would it have been better not to test your friends and live in ignorance because now you know they won't help you when you truly need it? So the question is, would it have, would it, is it better to know the truth about your friends even though it hurts or would you rather live in ignorance? This is actually my favorite, my favorite uh, um, a scenario of the first scenario that they talk about in the film because I would rather know my friends for who they really are as opposed to living in ignorance and just being comfortable having people in my life, having people in my life and not knowing if I could depend on those people in a moment of need, whatever that moment is. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, unfortunately most people kind of wouldn't want to know the question. They say that people say that they would, I don't think they they would want to know because sometimes you can have a best friend that you love more than anything and then you find out they're a dick. Like you find out that they're not there when you need them and that shit hurts. Like that you, you know, you have, you build this thing up in your mind of your friends and your family about who they are. But when shit hits the fan, that's when people really show their true colors. That's when their personality comes out and either they stick by you or they run. And a lot of people don't want to know. They can't handle that. They just want to live in the illusion that, hey, this person is great and blah, 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 because they they don't want to lose them. But I I mean, you know me. I would want to know straight up. Are you a fuckwit or are you my friend? That's you know, it. The other, thing, the other thing with me and Dean that you have to understand is that we're we, – both of us are extremely, extremely loyal and we, and we hate liars. So once mm. we – well, I don't, I don't want to speak for the both of us, but once I – once I tell some, once I say something to somebody, and once I become a f- friend to somebody, I'll have their back forever. So, so I'm very, very loyal. So that also comes into the equation of me wanting to find out if this friend will be loyal to me in my time of need. So that also plays a big part in my decision to test them. Yeah. So yeah, you and I are kind of the same when it comes to that. Most people aren't. But uh, again, another question that you can kind of pose to your friends and family, would you want to know? Would you not want to know? Because surprisingly, a lot of people would would not want to know. Again, they say they would, but deep down, I don't think I, that they wouldn't want to know. People like living in illusions. So anyway, now the third and final test for them, which is where the actual story of the the plot of the movie actually kicks off is the teacher says he has one final test for them. So he says, think of a global cataclysm atomic. How do you think you will survive? And so now what the movie does is it cuts to the scenario of the, of there, there being a global cataclysm. There's atomic bombs going off everywhere. The students are there, the teachers there, and they filmed it. Um, I think they did film it in, um, in Indonesia, uh, sorry, in India. 
a beautiful uh, they filmed it in beautiful there's like temples everywhere like it's just a beautiful place that this guy filmed it i should have researched it but i didn't <laughs> i should have researched where they filmed it um but anyway so it cuts to the scenario and there's a group of 21 students now they turn around and there's a bunker um behind them but the bunker is only built for 10 it only has enough oxygen for 10 people to survive for one year, you cannot put any more people in there. So the question is, now it starts intercutting between the classroom and the scenario. The question is, who will you pick out of 21 people? Yeah, You have to pick 10 people. How do you pick 10 people and let everybody else die? So the teacher grabs a box and he lets everyone take a piece of paper out of the box And in this piece of paper is a job title. So everybody's assigned a a random job title. Now he does something kind of strange. When he hands the box to Petra, which is the main girl from the beginning, he turns around, he starts coughing. And so you go, okay, you kind of don't think anything about it. And then he gives the box to James, which is the guy that she was kissing in the beginning. And he picks, he picks a job randomly and then the teacher turns around and starts coughing again and you and you're like okay once is passable two what is going on so we'll get back to that a little bit later so he hands the box around and he says who is worthy to enter the bunker it's basically the survival of the species they've got to be thinking about it's not about who they like it's about which 10 of these people are kind of going to repopulate the earth so these are the choices that that you're given and they have to pick 10 people um, out of the 21. So you have an orthopedic surgeon, a gelato maker, a structural engineer, a poet, a United States senator, a harpist, organic farmer, real estate agent, a carpenter, an opera singer, a hedge fund manager, an astronaut, a PhD in chemistry, an electrician, a wine auctioneer, a housekeeper, a fashion designer, a zoologist, a psychotherapist, and a soldier. So out of all those job titles, they have to choose the 10 that could potentially restart the human race and the survival of the species. Now the students say to the teacher, who are you? Are you in the scenario? And he says, yes, I'm the wild card. I have the skill set that you don't know yet. So you can pick me to be in the bunker or you can not pick me, but I'm the wild card. And now they kind of, they, they vote on who they think would be best suited to be in the bunker and they leave everybody else out. But I think, do you think those job titles, um, do you think that covers pretty much everything because that's a lot of that's 21 job titles do you think that they should have added um other professions or do you think that that was kind of they covered pretty much everything in that for the survival of the species no i think they covered pretty much everything in those examples but here's the thing some of those examples are things that won't be useful in the bunker like you don't need a wine connoisseur You don't need a harp player. You need a psychologist. You need need a planter. You need a physician, right? So the the great thing that I love about um, 
this first scenario or the bunker scenario is I think that the main characters have to pick the 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 positions that will be most essential once they get into the bunker. But the problem is that these students are still think the problem is that some of these students are still thinking with their heart and they don't want to leave everybody outside the bunker. So that presents an inherent problem. And here's the thing. Uh, the teacher says that he is the wild card. And the thing that I love about the teacher, but also the thing that I hate about the teacher, is the teacher makes the hard decision. So the teacher is the one who think, who who is thinking without his brain and who is thinking logically and makes the hard choice of, of basically killing the individuals that don't get choose to that, that you know that that basically don't get uh selected to go into the bunker so that's what i love about this scenario but again to circle around to answer your question i don't think i, I think that these examples are sufficient enough for this scenario yeah um yeah i mean look there are a lot of a lot of, like you said, like a harpist, the gelato maker, where it's like, do you really need that skill set? But in saying that, in the next scenario, it actually it alters those job titles a bit. But that's 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 in the next scenario. So now oh, they I vote. I... So these are the people. Forgot... Forgot... Oh yeah, go for it. Um, the... <laughs> when when the students ask the teacher what he is, he says, "I'm the wild card," right? But he forgets to mention the most important piece of the puzzle. And I think if he would have mentioned this from the outset, I think that they would have acted differently towards him. That's all I want to say. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to yeah. get to that, but. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I'll get right. to it. I like that he didn't, because that's what he said. He goes, well, you're, you, I'm a wild card. You know nothing about me. So either you pick me or you don't pick me. You, you take a leap of faith and you, you pick me um you know not knowing anything or you say fuck him i'm not picking him we don't know anything about him i like that he didn't say because obviously if he said up front everything they'd be like oh yeah we're gonna pick you but it was a philosophy test to test are you gonna pick me not knowing anything about me no i like that you know, so i actually like no, that he i like that. that as well i'm just you know i'm just saying that having seen this movie when i first saw the movie i didn't know that but after after you know seeing the movie multiple times, I think the first scenario, which is the bunker scenario, which is the one that we're talking now, which is the one that we're talking about now, is my favorite scenario because of the thing that the teacher didn't tell the students really hurts them in the long run in this first scenario. So I enjoy that. I um, I agree with you. I just wanted to point that out. So now. They vote. So these are the these are the job titles or people that they decided to vote into the bunker. The orthopedic surgeon, the carpenter, electrician, organic farmer, senator, although I don't know why they would pick the senator, um, PhD in chemistry, psychotherapist, and engineer. Now, the last slot, they kind of like, do we pick the teacher? Do we pick the wild card? Or do we pick... Do we pick something else? So they do. But um, when they're going through um, – but the teacher, the teacher actually pulls out a gun and kills the poet. 
shoots him right in the head. And you're like, what? Okay, so we see a scene in which the teacher actually sort of sneaks into the bunker and and grabs the gun, grabs a gun. I don't know where there's guns in the bunker, but he grabs a gun that's like in the sort of like sub sub levels or whatever of the bunker. And then he shoots. Nobody knows why he shoots the poet. He just fucking shoots him. And you're like, what? And everybody's like, oh, my God. Um, and then like nobody knows kind of what to what to do and so they all kind of fan out and they're like well if we're going to be trapped in the bunker for a year we might as well just like have time on our own because we're going to be stuck together so they all kind of fan out and then they hear they start hearing gunshots and they run to where the gunshots are and the teacher has actually shot now this is in the scenario this is not we're not in the classroom this is this is not real this is in the scenario he's shot all the students that are not coming in the bunker and you're kind of like what and he turns around and he says oh they wanted me to because they didn't want to get radiation poisoning and like you know that's a bunch of bullshit like you know that's bullshit and so the main girl Petra she's like oh okay and so they kind of disperse again and she goes up to everybody and kind of whispers in their ear and they make their way to the bunker because she doesn't want him anywhere near the bunker because he's a fucking psychopath he goes and kills fuck people so they they go to the bunker and they're standing in the doorway. There's like a sliding door. They're standing in the doorway and the teacher goes, he knows something's up and he races to the bunker and he sees them all standing in the bunker. And he's kind of, he's kind of looking at them and going like, he knows what's going on. And, and, but he, um he tries to run. And as soon as he gets to the door, they, they close the door and he's trapped outside. And you kind of think at this point, you know, you've made the right decision. This guy's a psychopath. You've made the right decision. But um, <laughs> I think what you were getting are one of the things, because there's two things about this, this the teacher, there's two kind of skill sets he has. One of the things was they've closed the door. And when they close the door, they can't actually like reopen it again without a code, which is something they don't know. And the teacher he writes down on a piece of paper, he writes something down on a piece of paper and he puts it up to the glass. And on the piece of paper, it says, I'm the only one that knows the exit code. And they're standing there like, what? And so you go, oh, fuck, they should have let him in, but they didn't know that before. But the thing that's funny is it's like, is there an exit code? Why would there be an exit code? Why wouldn't why wouldn't you just be able to kind of like kind of like open it after a year? Like some of them think, no, he's fucking with us. Like he's messing with us. He's he doesn't know the code. He's just being. He just wants us to sort of like squirm for the next year. And then other people are like, fuck. What if there is an exit code? And you you can't go back now. You've left him outside. You can't open it. And I thought that that was a really really awesome twist when he said i'm the only one that knows the exit code and you just go oh fuck if there's not an exit code other people can get into the bunker if there's other people that survive after two years or a year or however long they're supposed to be in there other people can get into the bunker and if other people can get into the bunker that that presents a problem for everybody in the bunker but also I feel that this first scenario, which I already said that I love, I feel that this scenario presents the question of the movie for me, basically. And that question is basically presented, is basically kind of presented by Petra, which is an awesome name. I'm going to use it in one of, in one of my scripts one day. Um, 
love over logic. And I, I just think that's an awesome question to ask in a movie about philosophical situations. So did you kind of get that or is that just me? Yeah, look, the question in all philosophical situations is love over logic. I mean, it is. It's kind of like saying, you know, letting, for example, letting people into the bunker, you know, logic would be to choose people that can repopulate like a surgeon. Yes, you need a doctor. An organic farmer, you need to know how to make food. Um, uh, A therapist, yes, you need that for people's mental health. Like, you know, gelato maker, you don't need it, blah, blah, blah. Like that's logical. But imagine for a minute, and this will come back later in the movie, but I just want to pose this question now. Imagine the person that you loved more than anything else in this world was a janitor. And they're like, would you stand there and be logical and be like, well, you know what? I love you. You're a janitor. That brings nothing. You're not coming in. Or would you go with your heart? That's see, that's, it's like the first scenario. It's like, are you going to let them in or are you not going to let them in? Love over logic. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I would like to think I would make the right choice, but I really think that I would be like you in this scenario. I would say, fuck logic, and I would go with my heart. I would actually let in the love of my life, which just happens to be a janitor. Yeah, like I would too. Or if everybody else was against me, if everybody said we're not letting them in, they have nothing to do with the survivors, like we don't need a janitor – I would literally put my hand up and be like, well, I'm not coming either. Right. Like, why would I want to be in a bunker without the person that I love? I'd right. rather spend the last few days I have with them alone uh, with them um, and die with them rather than spend the rest of my life without them. So, uh, yeah, it's love over logic. It just, it, again, it depends on the person. It depends who, who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's yeah, uh, move on. Oh, no, you've got no, something else to say. I was going to say, let's crack on. All right, let's crack on. Okay, so now we we they're in the bunker. We see a, a montage of them doing random things, um, you know, just like I don't know, sitting around talking, do, you know, just doing random random shit for a year, nothing interesting. And then a year has passed, and now they try to get out of the bunker. And you're thinking, and they are thinking, do I need a code? Do they need a code? So James, which is the guy from the beginning. He goes up to the, there's a keypad and there's a green button and he pushes the green button and there's a little screen on the keypad and it says, please enter exit code and your heart drops (laughs) and you're just like, oh no, there's an exit code and they kind of just go, what the fuck are we going to do now? And they try everything to get the door open. Nothing works. Like they try like guns, everything, but this glass is like reinforced. It's not supposed to open. Um, and you know, eventually they run out of oxygen. Now I did say in the beginning that the bunker could only house 10 people with oxygen for one year, but there's only nine people in the bunker. So the oxygen actually lasted for a few weeks after and yeah, they kind of, some of them, some of them, I don't know, what is, oh yeah, some of them shoot themselves, some of them die of hypoxia, um, and basically it returns back to the classroom. End of experiment, everybody died, shall we try again? (laughs) So what do you, so what's, what are your thoughts on kind of what happened? Did your heart drop when it's like 
enter exit code. Uh, no, I was like, I was like, fuck yeah. Now we're going to find out what these people are really like. I really, really like that first scenario because when people's backs are against the wall, you find out who they really are. Right? People seldom tell you. People seldom tell you how their heart really functions and how their brain really think unless they have to, unless they are forced to. And I think by the fucking asshole teacher not telling them that he had the code to open up the bunker really put them in an impossible situation. So although they chose to exile him, they paid for it in the long run. And I really love how some of them died of epoxia, some of them ended up killing each other, and some of them just died. So I really, really love that first scenario. You know, when it comes to the scenarios that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, I really think that this first scenario really sets a high bar for the rest of the film. And it really showed us how uh, how the writer of this film is going to deal with the scenarios moving forward. Yeah, the first scenario really sets up everything. So now it's like, okay, let's try that again, but better. So the teacher... The teacher says, finally reveals his skill set. Now, his skill set is not the fact that he knows the code. His skill set is how did he know the code? He's not just a random person that knows a code. So he pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket and it's got his job title on it. And he's actually a bunker builder and he built that bunker, which is why he knows the code. And everyone's like, oh, okay. So you kind of, in the next scenario, you have to let him in. Like there's no choice. He is just, you have to let him in. So the scenario begins again and it's the same parameters. There's an apocalypse. There's a bunker. You got to let 10 people in. There's 21 people. But this time he tells his students, open the pieces of paper that I gave you because there's more information about you on the inside that might alter who you pick and who you don't. Oh pick. yeah, that's right. They didn't do that the first so time. Me... They didn't do that. The... Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't... So now, can you just yeah. imagine what the scenario would have been like the first time if they would have opened up the pieces of paper? Yeah, if they knew everything. Yeah, it would have been totally different, which is why I like, I like, I think I like this scenario the best because you get more information, right? Because a job title is a job title. But when you get more information about someone, it alters their job. I mean, it alters their skill set. I mean, it does. So, Let's go, let's run through the job titles and let's run through the more information that you have about this specific person. So you've got the organic farmer. Now, James, which is the guy in the beginning with Petra, he got organic farmer. So obviously he was in straight away. He opens a piece of paper and it says he's gay. And so does that alter things? Because you need to procreate. So does him being gay alter the fact that they need him as an organic farmer? Now he explains it. He goes, just because I'm gay doesn't mean my bits don't work. Doesn't mean I can't sleep with girls. Doesn't mean I don't have, you know, sperm to impregnate. And everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, that's true. Like just because he doesn't like girls doesn't mean he can't sleep with girls and procreate. And so they let him in. The next one is an orthopedic surgeon but when she opens the paper, the piece of paper, she has been exposed to the Ebola virus. Now, we don't know if she has it, but she's been exposed to it. So the question is, 
are you going to let someone in that's been exposed to the Ebola virus, even though they're a surgeon, but they could infect everybody and everybody could die? So everybody votes no on the orthopedic surgeon, which is before they voted yes. So the next one was the hedge fund manager. Now, the piece of paper says the hedge fund manager travels with millions of dollars in diamonds and gold. Now, they said, yes, we're going to let you in, whereas before they said no. I'm, I don't know, the, the, the thinking on, I'll ask you, the thinking on letting this person into the bunker was interesting to me because they're like, oh, gold and diamonds, they can't, it's not like cash, like you can, you can barter with that. But the thing is, there's nobody to barter with. So why would you let, gold and diamonds don't mean anything when there's no other people on the planet. So why would you let that person exactly. in? Exactly. Um, I am, I, I think I'm on the same wavelength as you. I mean, after after the two years pass, and you know, let let's say they find some way to get out of the bunker, which there it's not going to happen because they didn't let the teacher in, who is the architect who built the bunker in the first place, which is fucking genius. Burn, bitches, burn. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, back to my point. Why would you need someone who has gold and diamonds? if there's nobody left out in the world to trade with. With that being said. Yeah, I thought they dropped the ball on that okay. one. With that being said, I just want to pose this potential situation. Let's say that they find out, let's say that they find a way to get out of the inescapable bunker, right? And let's say there are people out there in the world who want to, for some reason, get into their bunker and steal stuff, right? If they didn't let in the individual that has gold and that, who has diamond, who has other assorted gems, they possibly wouldn't be able to hold off the people that want to invade their bunker by giving them gold, gems, and and other assor- and other assorted things. So, all the, look, I believe it was. I believe you don't need that individual. Uh, in the bunker, but it's sort of a catch-22 because if they could get out of the bunker and if they run into people who have ill intentions, you don't know what that other person would want to stop them from getting into the bunker and taking what you have. So again, ultimately, I think it's a catch-22, but I wouldn't have let that individual in the bunker because I, I I think that individual is useless because you don't, you don't need that. Yeah, no, you don't need it. I remember I was watching an episode, I think it was fear the walking dead and obviously like the world zombies, there's no, there's no bartering, there's no money, there's no anything anymore. So this, one of the cartels, um, what they had was they had control, complete control over the water system, over people's waters, and how much how much water people get. So, in a in a in an atomic event like that, um, you know, gold diamonds means nothing. Survival means everything. So, if you can control something that people need to survive, it's better than than gold and diamonds and everything like that. But yeah, I don't know why they would let this person in. I thought, I thought they could have, the writer could have come up with something a little bit better to entice people to let a hedge fund manager in. Anyway, let's keep going. Carpenter, um, when he opens up the, the um, piece of paper, it turns out he's sterile. So he can't, can't procreate. Sterile. So he can't procreate. 
And so, but they let him in because they're like, yeah, but we need someone to build houses. Like that's a skill set that you can't just make up. Like, so they let him in, which is, yeah, I agree with. The structural engineer, which is Petra's one, she opens it up and she's an uh, sorry, electrical engineer. And it's like, well, duh. So, yeah, obviously you're going to let the structural and electrical engineer in, yes. Now it comes to the electrician. So when he opens up his thing, he's got a rare disease that when he hurts himself, his bones kind of, I don't know, they they, they calcify and they set. So, like, he, like, if even if he bumps, I don't know, it's like this, it's a real disease that, like, if you bump into anything, like your bruise turns into bone or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So nobody voted him in like they did before because they're like, well, we have an electrical engineer. So we don't need an electrician that like has this rare disease where he can't fucking bump into things. So they don't let him in. The next one is the psychotherapist who has had a hysterectomy. So she can't have kids. So they vote no because having kids is kind of better than than, you know, having a therapist. Um, the zoologist, uh, I thought this was stupid. The, the zoologist, she opens up her piece of paper. She also blogs for Peter. I don't, that's not, no. So they vote, no, we don't need. Yeah, yeah. So um, PhD in chemistry, he turns it over and he's got, he's won the genetic lottery. He doesn't get sick. He doesn't have any diseases. He's in, he's a perfect specimen of health. So, so they let him in. Yes. Real estate agent. They didn't let him in before because why do you need a real estate agent? But he also reveals that he's a midwife and they're like, well, if they're going to have babies, they need a midwife. So they say yes to him, whereas they said no to him before. The gelato, poor gelato maker, he opened his piece of paper and there was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, they're like, "Uh, no, we're not going to vote you in. There's no gelato. You have no skill set. And I felt so bad for this guy. Opera singer. She opens her thing and she says, I speak seven languages, but the issue with, and they say yes. Um, but the issue with that is like, if there's nobody else to communicate with on the planet, who cares how many languages you speak? So I didn't really understand that. But then she says, oh, there's something else on my piece of paper. She says, in three years, I will develop throat cancer. So you can speak seven languages. You can sing for, for you know, the next three years. They vote yes, but then they vote no because they're like, well, she's going to get throat cancer. So we, we, we vote no. Wine auctioneer. Um, she reveals she has an IQ of 200. They vote no because they're like, well, how can we, how can we use that fashion designer? She reveals that she, she's created a line out of bamboo cashmere. They vote no. They don't think that that's important. The harpist, um, reveals that he has autism. They say no, because they don't, there's, there's no skill set in that. The Senator reveals that, um, she's on track to becoming a justice of the Supreme court. They vote yes. No, I still why? don't know why they keep letting this woman why? in. Like why? Because their their reasoning was, oh, she knows the law, but there's nobody. There's no laws. Exactly. How many? First of all, uh, I, I'm stupid. People, I can't do mouth. How many people in the bunker at this point? Um, they they let well uh, they let uh, uh, they're supposed to let ten in. So they've got uh, two three more slots to go. I think. Okay. Why do you need a fucking uh, senator or whatever she is because you're right there are no fucking laws so she is useless what like like obsolete why, like, but but seriously i'm asking you now why do you think they keep letting mm. this individual in do you think that they do that because they want to hold on to a to a sense of civilized society 
Maybe. Or maybe they wanted her in because, you know, if you rebuild society, you're going to need laws. And maybe because she, she's got a knowledge of that, um, it's easier to make. But let, but let me just say, from my personal opinion, we need new laws. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to be – I wouldn't have – I wouldn't want old laws from the old – if you're rebuilding society, new laws, new government, new everything – you know, we, we. I wouldn't want someone with a mindset of the old government going into a new world. So I would not have let her in. I would have probably let the gelato maker in more than I would have let the fucking senator no, in. Here's the thing: you need well when you're when you create a new society, you need somebody who had who who has knowledge of the old world, but you need somebody who is who has a flexible mindset because if you take somebody from the old world and put them in power what are they going to do they're going to they're going to make the new world in the image of the old one so vis-a-vis you lose right so you put the so you put the person in power who you thought was going to change things when as a matter of fact that person isn't going to change anything at all that person is going to make the same exact choices that they made before because their mind wasn't flexible Exactly, exactly. So basically, we're not letting the Senate in. <laughs> you and me are on the same page. You're not coming in. So anyway, um, Soldier has an, um, uh, a photographic memory. Um, so they say yes. And the housekeeper, <laughs> poor housekeeper, he opens up his thing and it's like, he's a nice guy. He's a really, really nice guy. And they're like, uh, yes, okay. <laughs> yes, we'll let you in. You're a nice guy. We'll, we'll, we'll let you in. So they've chosen differently this time. They've chosen um, based upon more than the job title. Um, once you reveal more of people's skill sets, you're able to more, make a more um, cohesive um, – pickings of the people so anyway they've picked the people they go in the bunker and you know the teacher kind of takes control because he's in there he's the bunker builder they had to they had to pick him so he takes control and he says look we need to start procreating we need to start pairing up um to you know ensure the human race continue like literally like straight away and he's like pairing everybody up yeah, and he's like pairing everybody up, and I'm like, oh my god! And so, and so, anyway, it goes to like fast forwards, like ten weeks later, and he's like, well, look, there's been ten weeks, and there's no pregnancies. Like, like, what's what's the issue? Like, why is nobody pregnant if everybody's kind of having sex with? Well, they're having sex with the same person. So the teacher suggests multiple partners for the girls, and I, I love my favorite character is the oh, soldier. I love her. Um, she, she's the only one, I don't know who the actress is, but she's the only one that kind of says what she thinks. And she looks at the, nobody says anything. Everybody's kind of sitting there, kind of cowering the corner, um, because like the teacher's this big intimidating figure and this girl who's so pretty and so kind of petite looking, she doesn't look like a soldier. She just looks like a pretty girl. She looks at him. And she says, if you try to force me to sleep with any boy I don't want to sleep with, I will kill you. And I'm like, oh, she just, exactly like that, like deadpan face. What? And the teacher kind of looks at her. No, yeah, go for I, it. When she said that, I was like, shit, that's something that Dean would say to a T because I, I just, I was like, <laughs> that is a Dean line. Yeah. I, actually, I, I, I mean, to be honest here, 
I fucking hate this teacher character. But in that one moment, I was like, fuck yeah, that's something Dean would say. I love that. Yeah, I hate this teacher character. Oh, he's such a dick. But yeah, I love. I, as soon as she said that, I was like, that's me. That's me. That's all oh, I I just, I was like, yes, I love you. The only one that's fucking said what everybody else was thinking. So anyway, the teacher casually gets up. He leaves the room. And you're kind of going, oh, okay, he's, she's been, he's been put in his place. He comes back with a fucking gun, points it at the soldier girl and uh, who spoke up to him and tells everybody get, to get the fuck out of the room and, everyone's, and everybody just does it um, except one. One of the guys kind of hi- hides in the corner and the, the teacher didn't see him. And so the, the teacher, like, holds the gun up to this girl who's, I mean, like, how, how like – ego and how like fucked up in the head you have to be to for a girl to say something to you like I'm not going to do what you tell me and for you to go oh okay get a gun and point it at her head that's some like <laughs> like that's some ego shit like uh, I just I, I hate him I hate him so much anyway he he basically says to the girl you're gonna do what I say fuck you and she's standing there she's like I'm not gonna do she goes I, I think she says like you can shoot me I'm not fucking doing what you say. And I'm like, yeah, you go, go. You fucking tell him. So anyway, um, the guy that's the, one of the students in the room that's hiding, he runs out and he kind of like jumps on the teacher and there's like a scuffle and the, the guy, um, the guy that jumps out at him, he, he's being strangled by the teacher and he grabs a pencil and like plunges it into this guy's oh. ear and it's just like, you can feel it. It's like, oh God. And so the teacher gets up and he's stumbling all over the place. He's dazed. He's, he's, he's confused and he's just, and everybody kind of walks into the room and they're looking at him like, what the fuck do we do? Like, uh, do we, like, they're just kind of keeping away from him. He goes up to the bunker door where the sliding door is where they came in and he's standing there and everybody's standing behind him and they're kind of don't know what he's doing and is he going to pass out? Is not is he not going to pass out? And then he does a really big fuckwit move and he enters the exit code for the bunker, opening the door, letting the radiation in and everybody dies and that is the end of the second scenario. We're back to the classroom. That's the end of the second scenario. And the one of the students, James, he is a bit suspicious of the teacher. And he says, I just want to ask you one question. The teacher says, what is it? He goes, why were you coughing before? And the teacher says, I don't, I don't know what you mean. He goes, well, when you gave, when you gave me, when you handed the box to me and I grabbed out my, my, um, job title, you turned around, you coughed. And then when you gave the box to Petra, she grabbed her title, job title. And then you turned around and you coughed again, but then you haven't coughed since. I find that a bit strange. And the teacher said, oh, I took a cough drop. And the James is looking at him like, I've been looking at you the entire time. You didn't take anything. And so, and so you're like, yeah, okay. Cause you want to know why he coughed. You know, there's, there's kind of something to it. So James casually gets up. It looks like he's leaving the class. He puts his bag on. He kind of walks to the door and then he looks at the teacher and he sprints to the front of the classroom and he grabs the box and the teacher kind of chases him around the room for a bit and James runs outside and he looks in the box and he realizes there's hidden compartments. It's like a magician box. And he realizes the teacher deliberately gave him the job title of organic farmer and deliberately gave 
he rigged the game and he deliberately gave Petra the structural engineer. But right now we don't know why he did that. But for everybody else, everybody else was random. But just those two, it was like he made sure that they had these specific job titles for um, a motivation that will will come out later. So he's trying to figure James is trying to figure out why the teacher has an issue with him. Like he wouldn't let him in the class when he came in like one minute late. Um, he's just been on his case the entire time. And the um, James says, why, if, if you have an issue with me, why make me an organic farmer at all? Because that's something that's useful. Why didn't you just make me a florist? He and then, to yeah, go for it. Yeah, he no, he no, wants no. to torture him, which is why he gave him organic farmer and no, then gay. Here's the, you know, <laughs> that's you know, why. Here's the other thing: this whole situation of the teacher rigging the game could be read in two different scenarios. One, if the teacher rigs the game, the social experiment doesn't really work, because for a social experiment to really really work, the social experiment can't be rigged by one individual. It has to be as fair and as natural as possible for a social experiment to work. And number two, the reason why I love this is because what have we been talking about on this podcast, if anything at all, which hopefully we've been talking about something at all, but as a screenplay writer, you drop hats on the ground, you leave little clues as to where the story could possibly be heading for the smart people in the audience. And I think these actions by the teacher who is the asshole uh, really shows that the writer is leading up to something that could explain his behavior and why he's being such a dick to um, the main lead of this film. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's, you have to correct me. I can't, out of all my notes, oh, there's still shit I forget. Is it, I think it's Petra that says, I want to do the scenario one last time. Was it her or was it James? I think it's Petra. I don't think it was James. I'm pretty sure it was Petra. Um, she says, I want to do it again. And the teacher was like, basically like, oh, no, we're not doing it. I don't want to do it again. And she goes, no, 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 I want to do it again, but I want to change things up a bit. And he was like, well, all right, okay, well, we'll do it. And then he looks at he looks at James and he goes, you wanted to be a florist? Now you're a florist. And so we go into the third and final scenario of the bunker. Now we're on this beautiful island. Same scenario, apocalypse, bombs are going to drop, bunker behind them. They have to choose 10 people out of the 21 people. Now, in the beginning um, of this scenario, when they go into it, all the all the students are kind of looking out at how beautiful the ocean is and the teacher kind of goes into the bunker, again grabs the gun, he gets a semi-automatic, he hides it behind something and then he comes out. Nobody sees him he, him um, grabbing the gun, but, you know, he's, he's this is the third time he's kind of done that. He's grabbed the gun. So the um, – What a ball bag. What a what a what a what a what a bag what a useless bag of dicks this guy is. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. So anyway, he is he's sitting, and the what's her name? The Petra. girl Petra. She comes she comes and sits next to him, and she says to him, "Can I give you a hug?" And he was like, "You want what do you want to give me a hug for?" 
And she goes, well, I know this experience has been really hard on you, so I just want to give you a hug. And you're sort of sitting there like, what is she up to? So she gives him a hug um, and that's it. She gives him a hug and then she walks away. And then she says, I'm going to change things now and you're not going to like it. And you kind of sit there and you're like, okay, what's going on? What is happening? So anyway, she approaches the group and they're they're trying to pick people for the bunker. And she says to them, I want to change things. I want to be in charge of who is in and who is out. Do you agree? And everybody kind of goes, yeah, they trust her. Um, she's the smartest in the class. Um, she's the one with the high marks and in philosophy. And so they say yes. So now she picks. And these, the, I, I, I love this scenario. I like the second scenario. I like this scenario. I don't know about the most, but it's different. All the scenarios are the same, but they're very, very different. So these are who she picks to be in the bunker for the third and final scenario. And these are the reasons why. So first up, she picks the wine auctioneer with the genius IQ. She picked her because the wine auctioneer happened, just happened to pack a case of red and white wine. The second person she picks is the fashion designer because dressing well boosts self-esteem, boosts productivity, and productivity rebuilds civilizations. The third one she picked is the poet who happens to be a champion poker player who brought his cards with him. The next one is the harpist who has autism because autism is seen as a gift. The next one she chooses uh, is the orthopedic surgeon because she has faith that even though the surgeon was exposed to, to the Ebola virus, that she wasn't actually infected. The next one is the opera singer because we could die soon and, you know, we want to listen to music before it's all over. The next one is the PhD in chemistry because he has a perfect gene, for, gene pool and he would actually be really, really good for, for breeding. The next one is well actually the phd the guy that has the phd in chemistry he's he's gay but he's gay in, in in real life but he's kind of brought that into the scenario and he sits in class and he says wait a minute everybody gets someone but me like so i'm just going to be alone like everybody gets to pair up but me and petra kind of says well there's like there's nobody there's nobody else because the guy that was the organic farmer and gay he's now a florist and straight so there's nobody for him to be with so he poses the question in the class he goes look statistics show that at least one in 20 are gay but they're not out yet and he says who in this who is the other person in this class that's gay put your hand up and every and all the boys are kind of sitting there like no and he's like really there's nobody there's nobody else that's gay and then the gelato make the guy that's the gelato maker kind of clears his throat and and goes yeah 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 and the the phd chemistry guy goes oh my god really you're gay and he's like yeah and he's like all right get him in here i'm gonna pair up with him and so petra chooses the gelato maker just based on the fact that, you know, the, the PhD guy in the chemistry um, wanted someone to be with for that year and on no other reason. And the last person she chooses is the florist because that's her boyfriend and she loves him. So I love the people that she picked because she didn't logically pick these people. She picked with her heart. She picked, she picked 
what is going to be the most fun? What is going to boost morale? What's going to be the most positive environment? Because in the second scenario, they had been mating for 10 weeks and nobody had gotten pregnant. And I remember one of the characters actually said stress, like when you forced someone to do something, it never works. And stress actually stops pregnancy. It stops ovulation. Like it stops all this shit. This is why nobody's getting pregnant because you're forcing them to do something they don't want to do. But when is some, when someone is in a positive frame of mind, when they're happy, when they're easygoing, everything just happens really easily. So she's taken that. She's taken, you know, she's taken the surgeon. She's taken, you know, some people that will help. But for the most part, she's taking people to make it a happy environment because for the next year, it's going to, you're going to have a singer, you're going to be drinking wine, you're going to be playing poker, which is all the scenarios that we actually go through um, in the um, in the scene of the bunker. So do you think that she chose right or would you have chosen differently for the third scenario? Yeah, I think she chose right. And the reason why I love the third scenario, the reason why, I mean, I really love the original scenario of all our main characters in the bunker and everything that happens there. But when I saw this movie for the first time and I really, really, I really, really came to the conclusion that it is my favorite movie of all, one of my favorite movies of all time. I think I told you this. I love the third scenario with Petra in control because to me, it really brings home the question of the entire movie, love over logic. And I love that she chose, lo I love that she chose love over logic, but it, but in, the, but in that same, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, within that same choice, the fact that she chose love over logic could could end up being the reason why they all survive the apocalypse or the bomb going off or whatever. So I love that her choices were informed by love, but they were smart choices. They weren't just they, they weren't logical choices and they weren't empty choices, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Love over logic, 100% every single time. At this point, the teacher starts having a fit. He starts having a fit in the classroom and in the scenario because he's a dick in both fucking fantasies. So he tells them, because they all kind of go into the bunker and they haven't closed the door yet. And you're thinking to yourself, but they need him. Why are they not picking him? They're going to be stuck in there. So he tells them to get out of the bunker. He goes to grab his gun from his bag and it's not there and the girl that gave him the hug before we see when he when she hugged him she actually grabbed the gun out of his bag and took it with her and he didn't see he didn't notice and she said are you looking for this and oh did i mention she lets did i oh uh, did i mention she let oh yeah she lets the poet in sorry because he always kills the poet <laughs> right so she lets him in this time he doesn't um, are you looking for this are you looking for the, your gun yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like it wasn't really explained why he kept killing the poet. Um, it was just a weird thing because he did. Yeah, he didn't have any skill set that would have threatened you know, maybe, him you know, <laughs> at you all. Know, maybe the maybe he saw a reflection of a reflection of the person that he wants to be within the poet. Maybe that's why he killed him. Because look, oh, that's I mean, true. Because throughout. Throughout this entire podcast, we've been ragging on this teacher for being a dick. But I believe that this guy has the ability to be good somewhere in his soul. I think that 
life in a way has has made him the way that he is. And you know, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That's all I got. You can go ahead. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Um, so now she actually hands the gun back to him, which I thought was a weird. Kind of, I mean, I, I do understand why it's coming up, but I just thought it was like, now you're giving the gun back to him. Um, and obviously he tries to shoot. There's no bullets. <laughs> he tries to, sh- like, immediately he's, like, trying to shoot them. And she's like, yeah, I took the bullets out. So she gives him back two bullets and she's, like, basically, like, use them wisely. So he goes to sort of get run into the bunker. They're all standing behind the glass. They haven't closed the door yet. He goes to run in and the florist... He steps out. He's got the semi-automatic. So he found the semi-automatic that the teacher hid because he saw him him hide it. And he's pointing it at him and he's like, basically, fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. And the teacher is like, you need me. You don't know the exit code. You're not going to get the exit code without me. And then the soldier steps up and she says, 73872. Yes! And... The the, te- the look on the teacher's face is, like, priceless. He's like – he doesn't say, how did you know? He just looks at her. And then it goes back. And in the second scenario when he was punctured in the ear and he opened the door and everybody died, everybody was standing behind him. The soldier was standing closest to him. So when he punched in the exit code, she actually saw what he punched in. And she took that with her because she's got a photographic memory. And so she knows the code and then he's like, fuck. So now he's his whole thing, like, you need me, you don't need him anymore. So um, they, well, now he's fucked, which I loved. I love the fact that he got fucked because I fucking hate that character. I hate him. <laughs> oh, my God. So, you know, I. So there's still. I mean, yeah, look, look, I fucking look, hate him. Look, guys, if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about, you know, leak, you know, uh, planting little seeds within your script that will get paid off later. This is that this is that golden seed in that script that the soldier has an eidetic memory. I just fucking loved that tiny moment from this film. I think it ranks as one of my. I think for me, it ranks as one of the best moments in the film because it completely changes the final scenario. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was. I mean, this, this is why she's my favorite character because she's just fucking. She's just fucking awesome. So anyway, um, there's still nine people. There's nine people. She has to choose one more. So she looks at the soldier. She says, you. And the soldier basically goes, well, what about you? You're a structural engineer. You're an, you're, you're an electrical engineer. And she says, no, um, I want you to go in. So she's basically sacrificing herself to have somebody else go in there. And the soldier's like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not, I'm not as valuable as you. And so Petra says, all right. So she looks at the carpenter who is sterile. And she says, you go in. And he's kind of like, well, no, I don't want to do it. She says, I'll take the boat and I'll get as far away from the bombs as possible. So the carpenter, so um, she, the carpenters kind of goes into the bunker. They haven't closed the door yet. And he says to Petra, oh, I have the keys for the boat. And so Petra goes, oh, okay. He, she goes to grab the keys off of him and he pulls her into the bunker uh, presses the button and closes the door. And so he's on the outside, Petra's on the inside, which is a beautiful moment because 
you know, in her self-sacrifice going, no, I'm not going to put myself in the scenario. They actually put her in. And that's actually how it works. Like when you're that kind of a person, people do want to save you, like in a good way. People do want to help you because they can see what kind of a person she is. She was willing to sacrifice herself for everyone. And they're like, you know what? No, we need her. She doesn't realize how valuable she is. So, you know, when you're a person like that, people see it and they they will they will make those choices for you. So I really, really liked I really, really liked that. Um what did you did you think that that was the I mean, look, I feel like they need a carpenter. <laughs> but what did you think about that? Do you think that everybody um did did what did you think about that that scene where he kind of he pulled her um in and kind of close close the yeah, door. Yeah, look, uh, I'm I'm like you. I think that they need a carpenter more than they needed her. But with that being said, I just want to say something. If you are a truly logical and wonderful person inside out, and you treat others the way you treat others with love, compassion, and kindness, if you treat others the way that you want to be treated. In a proper world, that will get paid back to you tenfold. So with that being said, I love the fact that the other members in this social experiment saw that and they let her in. This movie gives me hope that if society ever gets really, really bad, that ultimately in the long run, people will make the right decisions for the right reasons. I think there's a balance between logic and your heart, especially if we're talking about apocalypse, because like how many, how many movies and TV shows have we seen where people go with their heart and they totally fuck everything up because they've done that. There's no balance. It's like, if you go with your heart, especially with this every single time, then it, it just, it doesn't work. And people's emotions take over and you see what humanity is like when their emotions take over. They're unstable. They don't know how to control themselves. So I think there needs to be a balance between logic and love. Like you have to do what's right to continue society, but you also have to lead with your heart as well. I don't think it's, if it's one or the other, I think that that's when you're fucked because this this scenario that she chose, the people that she chose, she went with her heart, but she also went logical as well. So that's why it worked. Right. So essentially it's heart and head instead of just heart. Heart and head joined. Yes. Because people separate them. They go, it's either your heart or your head. But the thing is the heart and the head needs to come into perfect balance. Once they come into balance with each other, um, this is when people start making decisions that are perfect because it's not up, it's not down, it's perfectly right. balanced. Uh, onward, let's let, let's press on, let's crack on. Okay, let's crack on. So this time in the scenario, instead of everyone being fucking miserable and like like um, forcefully procreating with people they don't want to procreate just to make fucking babies, they actually had fun. They played poker, they drank good wine, they laughed, they found out that one of them actually snuck pot in yeah. with them, they... They performed Shakespearean plays. The poet wrote poetry and read it out to everybody. Um, Petra, who's an engineer, she actually went into the basement and out of spare parts, she actually made the harpist a harp, which I thought was really cool, just out of spare parts. And now they have a harpist that plays a harp and an opera singer. And so they got to listen to amazing music. And I just, I love this scenario because everyone was happy. And I think that's the point is happiness. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's happy, happy, happy. And people think that it's selfish 
to be a lot of people would look at that scenario and be like oh that's selfish you needed this person you needed that but they're happy happy and positivity goes so much further than depression anxiety the year is the year is over they open the door because then now they know the code and they realize that there actually was no apocalypse the bombs the bombs fell everywhere else but where they were so they actually could have lived lived on the island they didn't have to be in the bunker what wow yeah exactly (laughs) so anyway they walk out and they're like oh well but the but the thing is did they lose anything in that year no No, because they were happy would anything have changed even if they were outside the only thing they would have changed is they would have gone for a swim but it would have been the exact they would have still played poker that it was they would have still drunk the wine they would have done everything that they would have done it's just that it would have been outside instead of inside so anyway the teacher appears and he looks like fucking tom hanks from castaway <laughs> so he walks up and he shoots he shoots the gun which is what what alerts them and they're like what and Petra's like, how the hell did you survive? And he said, I found a really deep cave cavern. And he's been living down there because he thought it would save him from the radiation, not realizing that there was no radiation because nothing hit. And so you're like, oh, well, that's 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 a shame. You're still alive. And so the teacher says, the teacher says, how are you going to get off the island? You have no boat. You have nobody that has any skills to get you off the island. You're going to die on this island the end and petra i love this bit she disagrees and she said we will live we will live briefly but we don't mind because we laugh and we're happy and i love this this quote was not in the movie but i love this quote and the quote is it is not the length of life but the depth which is true so she's like hey we may not get off this island but we're going to make the most of the time that we do have and we're going to be happy. And again, that is the point. That's the point. That's the whole point that the teacher missed in every single scenario. It's about happiness and laughing and, and being with people that you love and connections. That is what it's about. It's not about him procreating civilization. I mean, yeah, okay, you can do that. That's like, a, that's like an afterthought, but you don't know how much time, nobody knows how much time they have. Why not be happy? Why live in fear? Why live in negativity? Just be happy with the little things that you have. I think that that was basically the point of the movie, I think. The point of the movie is to live life the best way that you can and to enjoy every every single and to enjoy every moment. Now the um the guy that act- the character that actually pulled Petra into the the bunker um, he goes on the boat with all the other people. Now, because the boat, the bombs didn't hit, him and the other group, they didn't die. They're just like on, a, on an island nearby. And I find his scenario so funny because he's like, I came up with my own like mini scenario in the bigger scenario. And he said, well, you know, I was the only man with all these all these girls. And the teacher's like, but there was like three other guys with you. And then he just like made up scenarios where all the other guys died like in strange circumstances. So like he was the only guy with like six chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and so he said, he said, oh, I had, I had a girl for every night of the week. And on the seventh night I rested. And someone said, yeah, but aren't you, aren't you sterile? Like you're a carpenter, but aren't you sterile? And he said, yeah, but I'm, but as far as we knew, I'm the last man on the planet. So I might be sterile, but you got to try. <laughs> you know, you know. You and know, I love that. God bless him. That's all I'll say. God bless him. 
God bless him. I, I I thought that that was quite quite funny. So anyway, we go back to the classroom and the teacher is not happy. He's actually really fucking pissed off at how the experiment went. And he keeps telling Petra, you were my A-plus student and now you're like a D student. I don't – I found that really stupid because I thought what she did was great. But he's he's just got an ego trip. He's got – and and. At the at this point, we actually don't know why he's acting like he's acting like a uh, ten year old. Like a yeah, he's just a, what a shit no, teacher. Is... Like it doesn't go his way. It doesn't go his way. He's he's basically his group of students outsmarted him. Yep, <laughs> and he's pissed yep, about it. Look, um, the reason why he's look. This is why I think the ultimate reveal of of why the teacher is pissed at Petra doesn't work. Like if, if if I could fix one thing about this brilliant, almost perfect movie, it would be that it would be that. Cause if he was just yeah. pissed at her yeah. because he was a, because he was a maniacal controlling son of a bitch, that would have worked better for me as a writer than what, mm. than what the final, Oh my God moment of this you know, of this film is going to be, and we're going to get to that in a couple of seconds. But that also makes me, yep. that also makes me wonder of, that also makes me question the loyalty of Petra because that makes me, that yeah. makes me completely look yeah. at her in a different kind of way. And I'm like, you conniving little bitch. Like, like, yeah. So yeah. Right. But, but, uh, so the class leaves. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get to that, and then we'll we'll talk. You can talk more about that when when right. I get to it, which is coming up like literally now. So everybody leaves the classroom. Petra stays behind. Um, she closes the door, and you're kind of like, why is she closing the door? She sits outside. He comes and sits out next to her, and she tells him, why like why are you taking out your issues with her? on her boyfriend and then he says the teacher says to her he isn't smart enough for you and then you go oh that's why this is why he was treating this guy like a piece of shit because he's jealous because he's into petra he likes petra and he it's it's interesting because she says you're punishing punishing him makes no sense because he doesn't know about us and i thought what and my first thought in my head was, what is it about this girl that these two guys are falling over themselves for her? Like they're both like lovesick puppies, and she doesn't do anything. She doesn't. She does nothing. I'm like, why do you like her? No, I think you know. I mean, I, Petra. Petra reminds me of somebody who I know in my real life. Petra is the type of individual that can that can inspire that can that can force somebody to think above their station petra is that one individual that can inspire somebody to do to to be great to do great things right to basically jump off of cliffs and you know and swim when they hit the bottom instead of sinking now look i'm a guy i need to acknowledge that and this actress is beautiful. Her voice is whiny, but it's sexy to me. So you have to take that into account. But with all that shit out of the way, I agree with you. Why are these two guys falling at the feet of this woman? And the the, the final reveal that this woman is sleeping with the teacher and uh, 
you know, and hasn't told the guy who she's dating um, uh, yet, which is the main character of the film, to me, really fucking pisses me off. Because I mentioned uh, earlier on in the podcast that the most important thing to me and Dean is loyalty, and we hate liars. So as much yeah. as I, yeah, yeah, as much as I have loved Petra for being the logical, loving character that she is, this final reveal makes me almost hate everything that she has done throughout the course of the film because I know it's all a lie. It's not real. It's all smoke and mirrors. So in a way, it's just like the thought experiment, if you think about it. Yeah, I... Look, she has no character development, so that's why I'm like, I don't know why these two guys are like falling all over her. Um, yeah, the loyalty thing, because she's... This is what I mean by the character development. She seems so nonchalant about it. She goes, oh, I love James, you know, but like he doesn't know about us. I'm like, listen, you can't say you love someone and go and sleep with someone else and like have an affair. That is bullshit. Like, and she's like, well, I'm not going to leave him. And it's like, why are you having an affair? It's just her whole mannerisms in that scene was like, she didn't, you know, in the, in the scene, in the beginning with her and James, she didn't, I didn't feel like she cared about him. And in the end, she didn't, she was like, I love him. And it's like, yeah, but you've never actually showed that you love him like at all, you know? And even with the teacher, she, I felt like she didn't give a shit about him either. Like it didn't come. I don't know if you picked that up. It didn't come across. Like, does she actually like these people or is she just in a relationship because she kind of has to be or wants to no, be? I, no, I think for, first of all, first of all, I did pick up, I, I did pick up on that characterization by Petra, but I think that she is with these people because she is trying to figure out what love really means to her. That's why she's so turned off uh, 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 when it comes to this whole situation. Because in a sense, she doesn't really know what love, what love means to her. That's why she thinks that, you know, cheating on her boyfriend and not telling her and not telling him, you know, uh, is okay and is acceptable because I think that she's trying to figure out what kind of person she really is. Although I do think if she ends up telling him one day that she did have an affair, I think her whole philosophy and her whole idea of how the relationship could go is going to fall on her face because I don't think a character like James will forgive her if he eventually tells her one day. Yeah, no, I agree. Not that there's going to be a no, sequel, but I just thought I would have just liked her character like fleshed out yeah. um, a little bit more. So anyway, now we come to the end of the movie, which I did. It's the only part of the movie I didn't uh... like, and it's because I don't get it. I didn't get it. So I'll explain it, and then you tell me your thoughts on it because I am so fucking confused. So there's you see the teacher. And he's walking up the stairs of the school and then you see him in his house and he's sitting there and he's eating a sandwich and he kind of looks really lonely. And then the scenario starts again and he's walking up the stairs of the school and then he's at his house and now he pulls out a gun and he shoots himself. And then the scenario starts again and he's walking up the stairs of the school and then he's in his house and then he's just sitting there staring, basically zoned out, staring into nothingness. And then we see a close up of Petra's face and cut to black, that's it. I don't get it. So please explain it to me. Sure. Um, please explain anything to me. I, I think I think this final sequence is the teacher 
running the scenario through his head. And the only thing that gave his life meaning is a relationship with Petra. And I think these final sequences is the teacher running the scenario in his head. Okay, I, I'm i a miserable little bastard for reasons. Uh, there's nothing in life that I have to look forward to. I love my job, but that's not enough. I need love. And the and the and the only person that I was getting truly the only person that I was getting true happiness from doesn't really love me. So what's the point of living anymore? So I think that was him weighing the decisions in his head of keeping himself alive and being miserable or killing himself and being truly happy. Now Well, I I think oh sorry, keep going. Now, keep going. I could be totally wrong with that. What, 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 what probably did happen was the final sequence of the, the final sequence of this film was the teacher, you know, eating lunch, looking at the gun several times. That could have been a montage of several days passing by. And the final moment when the teacher picks up the gun and you hear the sound and you see Petra's face, that old, that could be, you know, uh, you know, that could be taken quite literally of the teacher blowing his brains out. And the final image that he sees is Petra's face because he really loved her in the end. Oh, I like that. See, I can't, the only thing I came up with, the only thing I can think of for that is that it was her that was thinking up those scenarios. Like, oh, what's really? he going to do? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? Is he going to do this? That's the only thing because it had her face at the end. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's her thinking up what is he going to do now without her? That's, I mean, I don't know. You could be right. I could be right. We don't know the director and the writer. We have no idea what's going on. But I think we're both, it both could be what we think. Let's get to my favorite part of the show and Dean's favorite part of the show part of the show trivia so dean do you have any cool trivia for this amazing movie i don't know if it's cool trivia because for unfortunately for independent movies there's not a lot of trivia so this is probably going to be lackluster but i did what i could so the original name for this movie is called after the dark the original name was actually the philosophers um they changed it when they um uh, when they released it. I don't know why they changed it. I feel maybe they just thought philosophers... I don't know. I kind of... Because, listen, the title doesn't make sense to me, After the Dark. Like, it does it make sense no, to you? Philosophers would have been better. As a matter of fact, when you put this on... Um, when you put this movie on the very, very first list that you ever made for me, which was... which. I think is the best list that you've given me because there were so many bangers on there. You list this movie as a philosopher's. And then I looked it up and I'm like, I can't find this movie anywhere. And then I told you about it and you're like, Oh crap, that might not be the name in America. And that's when you changed it. And that's when I found it. But I think that philosophers would have been a much better title for this movie because it, it tackles head on what the movie is about. After the dark doesn't really tell you anything. It's a it's a meanly it's a meaningless yeah. title in my eyes. 
Yeah, I don't know how they came up with that, but I'm not like I'm not I'm not a fan because it tells you nothing. I'm I'm a huge person about titles, and I think the title should be short, sharp, tell you everything about you need to know about the movie, yet nothing about the movie. So, and the, but that movie just doesn't fucking say. It could be any. It could literally could. It could be like after the dark. You know, I'm gonna go take a piss. I don't know. It it, it tells you nothing. Anyway, second piece of trivia is. Um, I don't know if this is trivia. Most of the characters' names are never actually mentioned in the film. They are actually, they do actually, all the characters actually do have names, but they're not mentioned. So, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's true. Now, the last part of the trivia is um, an actress, the, um, the one with the red hair, Georgina, she was she was the orthopedic surgeon. She played the role of the orthopedic surgeon. Her name is Bonnie Wright. She's actually Ginny Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. Get out of here, really? Oh yeah, she's Harry Potter's wife. That's the end of my trivia. That's that it. was actually though. You know, you know what? That wasn't underwhelming. That was pretty cool trivia. I, I especially. Oh, good. I struggled yeah, with yeah. that one. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad it passed. Especially like the one about uh, the girl with the red hair being Harry Potter's wife, because I didn't know that at all. Um, but um, I think that'll do it uh, for this edition of the Mixtape Podcast and if by some miracle uh, you guys come back next week uh, for our next episode we'll be covering the film 2036 Origin Unknown uh, a Kitty Sackoff film that's great Uh, but until then, uh, for my fellow co-host, Dean Stark, as I often say, if someone is kind enough to ever make you a mixtape one day, that must mean that they truly love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.